Welcome to the Inspired Astrology Podcast. Happy New Moon. Happy New Moon in Gemini. How's your season going? You okay? You holding up with all this frenetic energy? I tell you, Mercury went into Gemini and it was like racing thoughts immediately. (laughs) All the things. So you found me here. This is Lauren of Ursaday. This is the Inspired Astrology Podcast. Welcome. Welcome to the space. Um, I offer you a moment to check in with your body, somatically feel what is happening. You know, just check in with your breath for a moment. And just notice if it's tight or loose or normal or racing, panting. Maybe you forgot to breathe for a little bit here. It's normal. It's all all part of the journey, you know, is getting in tune with that wave, that rhythm within. So I want you to feel your right palm just with your mind's eye. You know, if you want to palpate that space, just imagining the nerve endings and tendons and tissue, everything that makes up this extension. And just imagine breathing in through that space, through fingertips, or the space of those fingertips, whatever you can connect with, and that sense of outward reach towards the world, outward expression of the self. And that happens in so many ways. It's really beyond the hands. What we're trying to do is feel with our hands and feel that extension of the heart. So imagine breathing in through the space of the palm and drawing that up kind of like in a cross hatch across the heart. So breathing up into the heart space and then pulling deeply into the left hemisphere of the brain. And imagine a comb over, pushing the breath over to the right hand, the right hemisphere, and then drawing that exhale out, pushing that out through the space of the left arm, the left palm. 
coming back around. We're going to breathe in through the left palm, through the heart, up to the right hemisphere, drawing in, filling up to the right hemisphere of the brain. Comb over to the left and exhaling from left hemisphere out through the heart, through the hand, extending yourself. We have this cross of the brain and how what controls the different parts of the body and what's interesting is if there is damage to one hemisphere um, there can be like an a, like a total disconnect between like the feeling and sensation of part of the body or even the awareness of like touch or movement it can disconnect us it can it can split us in two when we have brain damage like that just in different medical cases i I don't uh, call upon that energy for anyone, but I'm trying to touch into the phenomenon of there are parts of us that we are not aware that we're not aware of. And that truly is the Gemini conception, I think, of these parts of ourselves that are sublimated, perhaps subconscious. And when we tune into those spaces, and we listen to the quieter self. You know, usually the piece of us that we kind of tamp down because it's not really wanted by the world. Or at least we perceive that those inner desires are not acceptable or not valid. And when we start to tune into this this other part of ourselves and we start to make those connections and listen into desire and listen into those callings and longings that we have for this world and we stop blaming and shaming and painting a good or a bad on anything in our lives because there is no good or bad my partner and I were talking recently about how we were always, as children, asking, is that the good guy or the bad guy? Who's the good guy? Who's the bad guy here? And these labels, which are a function of Mercury, right? The way that we commit to language and we commit to culture and to community through word, through spoken word, through written word, through naming a thing, knowing that thing, being able to agree upon the name of a thing. The nuances of good and bad are subjective. I think all of us in this world are pursuing joy and pleasure, desire, happiness, kind of moving away from pain and suffering and dislike. And in that pursuit, we can get very blindsided. We can become very myopic. We can become incredibly selfish in our aims and goals. Conversely, we can open ourselves up too much into the perspectives of others, where we actually sublimate ourselves through people-pleasing, through some search in the mirror for validation that we exist. And we can lose sight of what it is that we're tethered to, what your identity is. It's fluid, right? It's a, it's a changeable, moving, evolving component. But at the core, there is a you 
And that that ego protection of the body, it keeps us from walking into traffic or putting our hand in a fire, right? Like there's there's purpose to the ego. And I think ultimately it's meant to be in service to the soul. And Gemini has that dualism, that binary component. And we can think of it as the good and the bad twin, or we can think of it as the higher self and the ego, the soul and the personality, how to be a spiritual being in the physical world, how to integrate yin, yang, um, positive, negative qualities, receptive, active qualities, masculine, feminine qualities, folding, integrating, synthesizing all of that information to go beyond words. Gemini is so full of words and so desiring to connect and so (sighs) verbose most of the time. The thinky experience of Gemini, that electrical current of connecting thoughts and ideas and realities and names and subjects. And it can be so much to step into concretizing the immaterial, the abstracts. What is the space between that? What is the space between the words? Is it the implication? The feeling that's trying to be conveyed through the way that we use words? how we use different perceptions to communicate. So this new moon in Gemini, I'd love for you to consider what is beyond words. I started the episode with the song Bedtime Stories by Madonna, who is a Leo. (laughs) And with Venus and Mars being in Leo and Venus particularly being connected to Mercury in this new moon lunation and particularly being in a long, slow retrograde all the way through October. We have this long, luxurious journey of Venus and Leo for all of us. We're all experiencing the energy in this moment. And that song, those words about words losing their meaning And how do we step into the subconscious? How do we step into the unconscious? Into desire and sensation, sensuality, communicating in different ways. Maybe giving yourself a break from all the thinky, chaotic to-do lists that come with the season. Because during this season, we receive a plan a plan of what our work is for this year ahead. And it can be overwhelming trying to write down every task, every skill that needs to be developed, every language that needs to be learned, every object that needs to be acquired, every object that needs to be released. Spontaneity is a big piece of Gemini season. You know, Gemini, Mercury is the child. And this eternal, spring eternal of, of childlike, curious, wondering energy is one of my favorite things about this season. 
that we get to explore the world with an openness and a freshness, maybe an optimism that we hadn't felt in a long time. You might find yourself reflecting about childhood during this new moon. You might feel the season that we're in and it can take you back to all sorts of experiences, light or dark. So spontaneously, Shay Malloy uh, contacted me and for some reason, I just decided that we were going to get on the horn, aka Zoom, <laughs> and to record our conversation. Um, because sometimes it feels really good to mirror another person and to have somebody to reflect off of. So I'm going to quit yakking away and allow for this conversation come to suit. So um, I'd like to preface this with uh, Shay is a really incredible being and I feel so honored to have met her at such a such a time in her life of change right like she was in her early 20s when I met them and you know just a a fledgling tarot reader and astrologer and just magical magical being and you know I just think about like the first time that she they they came to me for a reading and brought me banana bread pretty sure it was banana bread. They brought me a whole loaf of homemade food and then invited me into their home. And we watched Midnight Gospel and they made this incredible, oh, just like incredible meal for me and shared their space and their journals and the pictures on the wall and all of the, the magic that they experience. And it's that kind of openness and sharing and community, I think, that we're all craving after the last couple of years. And maybe there is some creaky joints that need some oiling to get back into that space. And we talk particularly in this episode about Gemini, the third house, the connection to community, connection to childhood. And I just feel really honored um, to have Shay in my life and to have randomly had the opportunity to I guess, interview or at least chat about the new moon in Gemini here uh, coming up tomorrow, which is Saturday, June 17th, 2023. Uh, So much to say about this moon. Um, I do want to preface, uh, I went on a little tangent, something that I was rolling around in my head uh, in all these nights of insomnia that I've been experiencing. This is, uh, summer is a season where I don't sleep. (laughs) So uh, sometimes I get off into these these really abstract concepts in my head and I was trying to share about my deconstruction process of, of spirituality, of even non-religious spirituality. And wanting to seek ancestors and to seek masters and teachers of more lineages than just the Western ones from which I've received. And I think about all the pictures of, you know, masters of the hierarchy, the ascended masters, which come from the esoteric traditions and kind of new age, ageless wisdom grouping that I was raised up in. And I'm not 
questioning the authenticity and the creative and beautiful poetry and metaphors and insight that come in channeled works. And I think that I was a little bit flippant about um, my expression of this during the interview. And I just want to requalify that I think that there is truth everywhere. I think that there is truth in every faith system and understanding, every, every poem that we read, every viewpoint, every perspective of every human. We all have something very sincere to share when we've synthesized it. And there's beautiful work out there, and I'm just really sad that there is not more elevated works from different cultures that we've had mainstream access to. And I think that's happening now. Um, as as we've had to shift even further into dismantling systems of oppression and and stop romanticizing indigenous wisdom as something of the past, but something that is ever present, ever true. And the scene goes with you know African historic wisdom or African-American wisdom and words and like these beautiful feminists that I think of and the parable of the sower by Octavia Butler and Bell Hooks and Audre Lorde and all of these incredible Maya Angelou. I can name so many different teachers that really had something beautiful to offer. And we can see spirituality, we can see and gain life meaning. Maybe it's not even about spirituality. Maybe it's just about finding purpose and meaning in the mundane, in the bizarre, chaotic, unfair, fucked up reality that we experience. The experiences of injustices, the experiences of things that are beyond our understanding and that we'll never know why it is the way that it is. And it's when we think that we have the answer, when we think we can put a label on something, that's when we need to be the most concerned or curious. Because when we, we think that like we've arrived, is that what kind of false narrative is that for us? We're still evolving and we have to continue to evolve and, and create. And for me, having been through what I've been through and dismantling a lot of um, kind of the colonialism, colonizing of spirituality, right? Having to own wisdom, having to keep it in notebooks and keep it in cupboards and lockboxes and remember everything and write it all down and don't forget, don't forget. Are we making space for new wisdom and new evolution to come true of our, you know, ever-changing minds and how our perspectives can start to envelop more and more. And I remember someone saying to me, sometimes your, your mind can open so much that it just shuts the other way. And I think that's a beautiful analogy. So I will pass the mic to Shay and I and our conversation from Friday, June 16th, 2023. Thank you for listening to the Inspired Astrology Podcast. Just taking a moment to connect in and thank you for your listenership and just letting you know that it is really appreciated that you took the time out of your day to listen to this work because this is a creative endeavor. It's something that comes as a heart service 
from myself to my audience. Um, I, you know, do this as freely as possible, making this content widely available. And that's why I don't have subscriptions to this particular service. But if you are interested in donating and contributing to this work, there are a number of ways of you can, you can do it. Um, if you share this with a friend, if you post it to your Instagram feed stories, if you, you know, like and subscribe to the episode wherever you listen to the podcast, that gives me some feedback and helps to let other people reach this work who may not otherwise have been able to find it. You can find me at ursidae.us. Ursidae is Latin for bear, and it's just something really meaningful to my journey and this concepts of transformation and how often we need to hibernate to come back to ourselves in a way to find our nourishment from within. So Ursidae is spelled U-R-S-I-D-A-E dot U-S. And if you go there, you can find um, through my scheduling app uh, an ability to donate through a program called Dragon Donna. And my dog Dragon is on my lap right now licking my face. And Dragon is my familiar and my darling, darling, beloved creature that um, we, he's not mine, he's my companion. And Donna is the word for a teaching offering. And in many other cultures, uh, people who do spiritual teachings, who do offerings to the community are taken care of, either through offerings of food, offerings of money, offerings of care in some form and component. So I do have a Dragon Donna offering uh, that is a automatic deduction of $7 or of $20 or of $50, whatever you feel moved and feel the exchange of what you might be receiving out of this podcast. I post a new moon and a full moon report every month. Um, I have a, a mailer that's called the Moon Mailer Uh silly name, but it is what it is, right? And I've been putting that out bi-monthly for about four years now. And the moon mailer is just a kind of breakdown of concepts and things that I've been thinking about. You might hear some of that work on the podcast or vice versa. It gives you a chance to know where my offerings are or how to get in touch with me and also to just receive some, some insights. So I really, really love that you're here and I hope that you'll stay tuned and thanks for listening. Stay inspired. Ladies and gentlemen, human beings out there, I'm so, so grateful to have the opportunity to talk to the moon's bitch on this day. Shay Malloy is here and Shay and I had the fucking honor to run into each other through Kin, which is sort of the like bolster point that I think both of us leapt into our adult uh, astrological service points in Des Moines, Iowa. Um, I think Shay is in Dubuque now, um, but fortunately we've gotten to cross paths many, many times, just cross hatching our energies and, and journeys together. And um, I'm glad to call Shay a colleague, a friend, um, and also have the honor to be like your mentor as far as uh, practicing and learning Reiki. So Shay, welcome to the Inspired Astrology Podcast. This is random, but we're doing it. It's happening. 
Thank you for having me. I think the spontaneity is right on target with the Gemini energy at hand. Um, I'm so happy to be here. I, I love listening to your podcast. So being a part of it is very magical. Yeah. And I just like that, like receptive energy that we're going to allow ourselves to kind of connect in with while discussing this. Um, you know, Shay, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit, like how people can find you and then we'll, we'll follow up at the end with that information as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, primarily at Martian Loon. That's M-A-R-T-I-A-N-L-U-N-E, at Martian Loon. Um, you can also find me at my website, martianloon.com. Um, I am an astrologer of, I guess it's going on eight years now, um, four years professionally three years, something like that. And uh, I've been a tarot reader for four years now as well. Mm -hmm. oh. And I was initiated into Reiki one earlier this year by none other than Lauren. So <laughs> I'm starting to begin that journey as well. Well, you have some beautiful tools in your toolbox and I really appreciate your commitment. I just feel like your hunger for knowledge and your pursuit in, um, I guess, evolving your relationship with the symbols and language of astrology is it's inspiring to me anyway. You know, I'm like a very messy, intuitive astrologer. And so meeting people who actually like really dig, dig deep into the algorithms of a chart is super cool to me. Thank you. Um, I think that's definitely the the driving force of my North Node, which is Virgo, and in the third house, I'm I'm ravenous to know everything I can about about the language of astrology. <laughs> it's beautiful, and Martian Loon. I remember being like like from Mars, like an alien, and it's like, oh no, your Moon is a Martian Moon, and that's where that. Yes. Yes, that is correct. Scorpio moon, baby. Mm, I love a good Scorpio moon. The stellium in me sees the Scorpio in you. Um, Thank you. Know Thank you. you. We see each other. I see you, baby. All that Libra, all that Libra junk of ours. So um, let's. Oh, let's, yeah. <laughs> let's get to it. I'm just kind of looking at some of the, the magic of this uh, new moon at the tail end of Gemini. And, um, you know, I think that like doing new moon and full moon reports for coming on five years now, it's so interesting to see these rhythms of when and how the lunations occur at like what degrees and what parts of the seasons that we're talking about here. And so again, we had our Sagittarius full moon at the, the, the front end. And here we are having the Gemini new moon at the uh, tail end of the season as we enter the solstice. Dun, dun, dun. And I think some of the major happenings of this uh, lunation is Saturn is going retrograde on June 17th. And we have a almost exact square to Neptune nearing its uh, journey in Pisces there. Uh, there are some, there are some activations happening for sure, but let's talk about like your perception of what a new moon is in the cycle and anything you wanted to share about Gemini and your, your vibes here. 
Yeah, of course. Um, for me personally, as a as a Cancer rising, Gemini lands in the twelfth house of my chart, um, and I personally was born under the waxing crescent moon, and I find that just with my natural rhythm, the new moon tends to be a time for me to retreat and really go inward um, and reflect, um, and especially with this new moon in Gemini that's very true for me with it happening in my 12th house but in essence a new moon is a time to initiate and start fresh but at the same time there's there's no light coming from the moon when we're talking about a new moon right we're moving in the darkness so while we can begin and kind of have a clean slate, I think it's still important to move slowly um, and intentionally as well. So especially with this, I think there's some mental respite that is needed. And from what I see with the astrology of this new moon, a lot of that relief and that mental rest that we're looking for the key to accessing that is to expressing ourselves to getting out of our head and putting some of these thoughts and ideas out into the world obviously with Gemini and with Mercury being so heavily emphasized with this new moon communication is a must um so that's that's the big thing that I see um, being here with this new moon in Gemini. Mm -hmm. Well, Mercury's movement into Gemini has certainly caused a frenetic burst in my own life. And I think that I've kind of lost track of words. It just seems like there's lots of to-do lists and activities. Do you have any thoughts about mm -hmm. um, Mercury being in pretty close aspect to Saturn turning retrograde tomorrow? It, I think that kind of feeds into that internalized experience again yeah definitely I think especially kind of this whole week Mercury has been in a square to that exact uh Saturn that we're talking about which kind of creates a hurry up and wait type of feel for me like there would there being tension between structure and thought maybe there's a lot of people who have a lot of ideas a lot of projects but the strategy or method of execution seems to be something that is kind of escaping people right now the how uh, is still kind of shrouded I think um, for some of the things that people may be going through right now but the why the why is very clear. And I think the why we're invested in something, why we care about something, um, that's a big piece of what needs to be shared and externalized and talked about right now. Yeah, I feel that. Um, what's your take on your hot take on Saturn in Pisces? I'm just, I'm just curious about that Saturn in a water sign. Yeah. Um, 
this is the first Saturn through a water sign transit that I have been fully conscious of um, as an astrologer. Um, and for me, I knew right away that Saturn and Pisces was going to be about spiritual discipline. At least for me, that was a big piece of it. But Saturn being in a water sign, I think there's a big emphasis on needing one's process and one's view of progress to not be linear because when we're talking about water we are talking about flow um and with Pisces there's it's almost not even water that we're dealing with when we talk about Pisces even though it is that element it's like we're dealing with the ether um something completely not tangible something you can't quite put your hands on so a, a big theme um with Pisces being ruled by Jupiter if you're traditional and Neptune if you're modern it's like surrender surrender and trust and faith and knowing that you can't know everything uh you can't always be in control that's not possible um and that is I think a universal truth that's um going to be very difficult for a lot of people to accept on a personal and collective level um, throughout this Pisces Saturn transit but uh, that may be something that people will really feel uh, with this Saturn station retrograde yeah so look out for insights I think into um, what that discipline right and that word that word disciple my um my beloved mentor, Dorothy Cunningham, who passed almost 10 years ago, um, she always said that discipline was to lovingly follow your higher self. And I think of Sagittarius mm -hmm. immediately, you know, our opposition to Gemini, you know, the, it, but the surrender piece and Saturn as a di disciplinarian to give us the structure to, to contain all of that unknown substance all of that etheric substance, which is the curiosity about spirituality. And mm -hmm. I know that I'm going through my own deconstruction process after having left my teacher last year. And um, that was, that was a big feat on my part because my devotion and my discipline were so connected into that relationship that I was turning over my power to another person in a way. And this is not to say yeah. anything harmful about this previous teacher, but about the dynamic that we created together. It's never about like one person being bad or another person being good. It's more about the dynamic, the, 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 the connection of that energy. And then the energy that's formed out of that relational dimension. Um, yes. Yeah. So I, I keep thinking about how, um, a lot of the, the spiritual books and the spiritual understanding that I've come to to believe is truth is actually just another format of like flawed human beings saying that they are channeling spirit or that they have substance to give. And sometimes that's true, but why are so many of these esoteric books, um, especially in the metaphysical traditions, why are they all channeled by white folk? 
you know, and I like think about that a lot. And I keep thinking about ancestry, which is that kind of Piscean field, right? Where it's, it's like, there is a, a lush forest and ocean of information that comes all the way back through time. And that means that like our ancestors having life been originated from Africa, that like everything has come through these different um, iterations of life evolving and flourishing and moving all over the planet. Like however, you know, Pangea, like who knows when humans were around to begin with, but the, um, the melange of human beings and like, how, how is it that we, as a culture have really whitewashed so much of spiritual information because of the like Judeo-Christian um, overwhelm and how that's coming Ooh. back around with the up, like, I just feel like we're in this complete imbalance point and Saturn and Pisces does have that evangelical righteousness quality about it just as much as it could have spiritual discipline and surrender and opening ourselves up to having different ancestral traditions, different, um, truth saying from other, um, other bodies, other peoples all over the world. That was a lot. But... Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I definitely see that happening. Um, and I mean, for, for years, I guess almost decades now, um, cause the, the mainstream of spirituality, I feel like that kind of started the last time Saturn was in Pisces, which was like in the early to mid nineties. Um, and I, I definitely think that there is kind of a, a reckoning that some people are going to see. Um, I definitely think Saturn can bring uh, consequences. You know, it's, it's not necessarily a, a wrathful planet but it's just like everything catches up to you in time um something else that I've been seeing with this transit um is teachers and spiritual practitioners um that you know have been around for many many years them suddenly denouncing everything that they had ever done that was secular, that was spiritual, and they are turning to the the Christian faith and completely just denying and denouncing everything that they've done in the past. And that was something that really shook me, um, particularly because one service provider that I had used on an annual basis, uh, she went through that and then it was just weeks later that she flipped the script again and came back to it. I was like, oh, that was very dramatic. But yeah, the religious quality um, of the Saturn and Pisces transit definitely shouldn't be overlooked, specifically with religious institutions. Like Saturn, I definitely think of that traditional structures um, that have been around for, for centuries. So definitely thinking about um, the Catholic Church as well um, with this transit in mind. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, one of my life path purposes, I think Uranus and Sagittarius, like let's, um, you know, let, let's synthesize all of the understandings of different faith systems and find the truth at the center. And, 
you know, uh, Uranus has some play in this chart, nothing too tight, nothing too intense for sure. But, um, I think a lot it's about, hanging out. yeah, it's, it's doing this thing. It's like, Hey, what's up Mars? Um, <laughs> you know, Uranus is always about like truth and insight. And sometimes those revelations come through really painful reckonings or sometimes chaotic reckonings, whereas Saturn is more karmic where it's like, all right, bish, like this happened. And then that's mm-hmm. going to happen as a result of that. Just as you said, consequences. Um, yeah, so this is good. I like all of this. We have Chiron in um, Aries also making contact with Mars over there mm-hmm. in Leo. So that's, I mean, that's kind of, um, that's a flare up a little bit, slight flare up. <laughs> yeah, specifically something that I've been thinking about with Chiron and Aries is um, what's happening. I don't, I hate using this term, but in the masculine in the world, like I think there's so much conversation that I've personally seen happening lately around um, toxic masculinity um, and just around men and men doing emotional work, doing healing work, going to therapy, and also people who are healing from the the trauma of being oppressed under patriarchy like that's something that I've seen coming up a lot with the entire time that um Chiron has been in Aries but um touching on since this Aries Chiron is touching Mars and it's in a fire sign I've been seeing a little bit of a flare-up around those topics it's kind of been brought back into my my sphere of life I love that interpretation Shay I never really I guess as an Aries like I just kind of like live in that masculine energy a lot of the times but I think you're absolutely spot on that there uh, reckoning is a word for it healing the wounds seeing the damage Mm -hmm. that's been done because of patriarchy and because of harmful toxic masculine behaviors and Wow. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, with that happening, of course, there's going to be pushback since Chiron is in a Mars ruled sign. People are going to fight this healing cycle that I think the collective is in. And we've seen this with uh, the rise of the dreaded alpha male podcaster. Um, This is Chiron and Aries. Like that is definitely a product of that um having violent misogynists like Andrew Tate have a platform and to influence so many young people specifically young men and and boys is something that's definitely scary like I don't know I definitely see the healing happening around people's relationship to masculinity but the toxic masculinity is definitely not going down without a fight mm-hmm. well let's talk about some dualism shall we because we're in the gemini yes. moon and specifically like this is it's you know for me like pisces has that same 
non-dualism where it's like, I am neither of those fish. I am the water in between them. I am the encompassing like quality of that. And Gemini mm -hmm. in an air sign is almost the intellectual version of that and trying to make reckon with the, with the binary and talking yes. about masculine and feminine. And then you have, you know, two astrologers who, you know, are femme, but also identify with some non-binary qualities for sure. Um, yes. I'd love to hear some of those experiences for you with that, that Gemini energy within you in the 12th house and your thoughts on the external process of this. Yeah, definitely. I mean, speaking of Mercury during Pride Month and Pride Month being in tropical Gemini season is so fitting to me. You know, I, I do think of Mercury as not gendered or all of the genders um but yeah it, I think the the dualism of Gemini and of Mercury can be encompassed by thinking about how Mercury is all forms of thought and of words and it can be very very internal like internal Mercury that's your internal monologue right it's those racing thoughts the overthinking the the narratives that you tell yourself you know going over conversations in your head whereas the externalized mercury that's sharing that's collaborative ideas um yeah i just think the most simple interpretation of mercury which is just straight up communication that in and of itself is uh, on a really interesting uh, spectrum and having Mercury in a very dark and grounded place in my own chart. It's right on my IC in the fourth house in Libra and then it rules my 12th house. Um, I definitely feel like I experience a lot of the internalized uh, version of the Gemini and of that mercurial energy. Yeah, because you you always come off very like slow and like paced and relaxed, you know. But meanwhile, you probably have like a fiery like running around mind, you know. Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with Mercury and Libra, like constantly weighing the options. What's the diplomatic thing to do? How can I manipulate this situation? How can I charm this situation? Yes, a mercurial mind is equivalent to the mind running on a hamster wheel all the time. That's kind of the image that uh, comes to me when I think of that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had a, um, you know, a neuro neurodivergent diagnosis this last fall. And it's, um, it's something that I, I can't even like, there needs to be a whole episode, maybe in the, in the, like my notes, I can talk more about my experience with that, but it's like, is it neurodivergence or is it a Mercury Aries opposite Pluto? Yes. <laughs> like, is it, <laughs> is it ADHD or is your Mercury in an air or fire sign? Or is it Gemini traits, right? And yes, here, here's my take on this. Cause I have people ask me, it's like, is it this or is it that? And I'm like, well, if you selected this time of birth, 
right? And you, um, you know, worked with the qualities of this on an unconscious, a uh, conscious level at some, some degree, perhaps you chose some neurodivergence to activate or to participate in that specific quality. Like, but I don't know. I'm not God. Like I can't tell you like, right. Prologers can't tell you like all those ins and outs and specifics, but we can give you the, the poetry, the mystery, the um, metaphors of astrology to help make sense of things and the search for meaning. I mean, that's, that's the Gemini Sagittarius access. It's like having curiosity about the day bits and then curiosity about the out outside of the, the world limits and outside of our mind limits. Yeah, absolutely. I think also with the, um, with the Mercury of this new moon, not only ruling the new moon, but having it be in the fifth house. Um, lately, just in some of my consultations, I've heard people talk about how they have a love for many things, how they have emotional investment, intellectual interest in different fields. And, you know, as a Libra, I am very familiar with the the crisis of choice. Um, and to me, like Mercury and Gemini is saying, you know, why choose? You can do it all. Um, so having that Gemini Mercury be placed in the fifth house of this new moon chart that just tells me it's this is not a time to be shy about what it is that you love about what it is that you care about um things do not have to be perfect or look pretty for them to be ready for you to share with the world the fifth house is the home of self-expression and if mercury is there and the new moon is happening there like People need to start talking their shit. It's important for it to be out into the world. You know, our our ideas and our passions can take on a life of their own. And what matters to us can also mean a lot to other people. Uh, and that's something that I see illustrated here with the with the midheaven of this new moon being in in Sagittarius um I think community can can help your dreams and your passions grow um so yeah don't be shy about what it is that you're working on even if it is still a work in progress something that I love about the energy of the mutable signs in general but um definitely in Gemini is the the hunger for for knowledge and the love of learning and growing you know when when you love something and you spend a lot of time on it I think sometimes we may feel um pressure whether this be real or imagined from others to be very proficient or to be a master and that's that's not the case that does not need to be the expectation here jack of all trades master of none but still better than the master of one mm -hmm. 
Um, Shay's doing uh, doing their chart from Dubuque, Iowa. And so those of you who might be looking at the new moon chart from wherever location that you're at, um, this is still accurate information because of Mercury's connection to Venus Leo. Um, and that is a trine. So that's a very like sexy, like loving energy. So um, yeah. <laughs> So I think that everything that you just said is absolutely accurate in the sense that like um, sharing your stuff with your community is in fact, incredibly, incredibly healing and super important. That's a sextile, by the way, and not a trine. I just want to correct myself. So the sextile between Mercury and Venus and Leo. Um, yes. I want you to maybe share some more about this concept of community and its connection to Gemini and the third house traditionally. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when I think of the third house in terms of community, I think about roommates, about neighbors, the people in your local area, the barista that gives you your coffee, the cashier that checks out your groceries. Um, I think of the mundane and there's so much magic that is present in the mundane. And I think why it works so well that Gemini is classically attributed to the third house um, is because Gemini can pick up on every little thing and find interest in it and talk about it. Um, Gemini and Mercury have connection to the hands and the hands have eyes. So whatever is tangible in your everyday environment is full of stories, is full of information. And to connect with the people who are a part of your everyday, a part of your mundane life, they form those same connections as well. Um, so I feel like a lot of answers kind of exist in our own backyards. Um, so don't don't think that what you're searching for is incredibly far away um, because it could be a lot closer than you think. Gemini wants to ask questions. Gemini is a born investigator. Um, so I think we are encouraged to further investigate some of our ideas and some of our thoughts by inviting people into these very personal and internal conversations. Um, so even though classically, I do think the new moon is a time to introspect, especially since we have that Gemini Mercury in a perfect sextile with Leo Venus, this is not the time to keep it all to yourself or stay home alone all weekend. I think there's a lot to be gained um, from being an active participant in conversations um, with this astrology uh, by, by being just present with everything that you do. Um, even if it's the same thing that you did yesterday, I think there's still magic to be found in the simplest things. I think that is what I love so much about 
Gemini and what I love so much about the third house as well. Where there are people, there is magic. Yes, the magic lives inside of us. And to recognize that in another person, that's serendipity. Yeah, Mercury is traditionally associated with like the magician, right? Is that a tarot yes. connection as well? Yes, tarot in and of itself is very mercurial. I actually just talked uh, with someone about that yesterday on on Instagram Live. I was chatting with um, Hex Hilda, um, which is uh, Stephanie or Steph from uh, North Dakota. But yes, very mercurial. And um, the thing about the magician as a tarot archetype is that he himself is um, a jack of all trades. All of the elements, all of these different tools um, are typically present and represented in the illustration of that card, but it takes the magician themselves to synthesize all of these different resources, all of this information to create something original, to create more magic um that like you yourself you are the final piece you are the final tool that can put it all together right an object is an object until somebody animates it right like a puppet yes yeah yeah otherwise it's just sitting on the shelf um I was I was talking to someone about Lee Bowery who was this magnificent uh performer you know it wasn't even drag it was like artistry and animation and performance through these absolutely absurd and colorful and loud outfits that were they were so hyper surreal and strange yes. and there's documentaries that you can find on youtube about lee bowery and i highly recommend it because they were just like the most wild and amazing being you know london in the 1980s um Fortunately, Lee did not live very long, but uh, their collections of items are still in museums. And I, I don't like, it's so strange to see these, these outfits, these costumes without Lee inside of them. But fortunately, there's archival footage of them animating these items. And I feel like that yes. is the magic that you're, that you're poking at here is mm -hmm. that we get to animate and that that exactly. is energy of Gemini is to animate that concept of, of synthesis, though, is, is something that I've been thinking about a lot is how Gemini consumes and consumes and consumes, but then can piece things back together, can um, make the puzzle work, can bring two different ideas of opposing concepts in together. That's kind of an air sign quality all around. But yeah, I definitely see that happening. Um what do you think about the sun moon square neptune because that is a fairly tight aspect um here in this chart to me uh it's encompassed by this song by madonna called bedtime stories and you already touched on this theme specifically about wanting to get out of words and out of sentences 
and staying away from like trying to concretize abstract concepts. And so it's like, let's get unconscious. Let us step into a different realm of connection. And with Mercury, you know, the ruler of the Gemini situation, <laughs> being connected to Venus and Leo, I think that pleasure, sensory feeling, being in your body, really allowing yourself to kind of divulge and share yourself with the world, world in that communal aspect in a kind of flamboyant way. But then the Neptune sun might create this like, actually, I kind of want to go home and watch TV and, and color, and <laughs> right? Because I'm trying to process all the things that are coming to surface to me about my childhood, right? And yes. I mean, if I can share a little like personal anecdote, um, uh, folks, I work with two therapists right now because they're both like very young. <laughs> and so I kind of need like, more more than just talk therapy i'm doing emdr work as well and emdr i'm going to learn how to do this because i feel like it is a um reiki has a technique that's similar to it um that i call the transformer it works with the the uh the subconscious but emdr allows for the person to kind of process things uh, or reprocess experiences that they might not remember and I accidentally EMDR'd myself in bed the other night by doing eye movement, rapid eye movement, and asking myself a question about um, codependency issues that I'm still struggling with in adulthood. And all of a sudden, this burst forth of all these memories that I had locked away into closets of my subconscious appeared, and I laid in bed sobbing and reprocessing all of these these really contradictory ideals about my childhood and about my family and recognizing that like just because you have privilege or it looks okay on the outside does not mean it wasn't neglectful abusive because everybody's experience is their own and there's not a trauma olympics thank you uranus for explaining that to us but um <laughs> So I'm thinking that the Neptune Gemini connection and then the Mercury and Venus connection is about this like stepping into your skin and reworking childhood stuff from a very loving kindness and murky viewpoint, which doesn't have words. It steps into a realm of like, there, there's not a word for it. Like I can't even find a word for it because that is what Neptune does. It's like, we're just going to dissolve and then we're going to kind of reconform ourselves like Dr. Manhattan. We're going to like try to move ourselves back into a, a semblance with some new understanding and new perspective. Um, Neptune doesn't necessarily offer perspective, but you know who does? Gemini. And so does Mercury. Yes. Yeah, I definitely see that something is coming to the surface right now. Um, and like you said, it, it transcends words. Um, and I think with Neptune, I always think of it as a fog. I feel like it's kind of a, a typical Neptunian buzzword. Um, but now with it having contact with the, the sun and moon being in Gemini, we get to understand what has been shrouded from us and maybe even getting some insight into why these things were hidden from us before um and 
sometimes the answer for that is we just weren't ready or it just wasn't time. Um, and of course with Neptune in play, the timing of this is not something that can be controlled. Um, this Neptune is also sextile Pluto. So yeah, no control is involved here. Um, surrender is definitely highlighted. And I think maybe the, the tension of the, the Neptune square, the new moon is like Gemini wants to react by being like, okay, well, what do I do now? What comes next? And Neptune's like, how about we just, how about we just sit with this? How about we just listen to the wind for a little bit? And Gemini's like, I don't speak wind, <laughs> but I think um, listening and, and trusting is um, a big piece um, of the Neptune puzzle. Um, and when we have to listen, it can kind of feel like we're walking aimlessly. If we're not hearing uh, concrete answers, it can feel like there's a lack of direction but I think a lot a lot of people are in the process of being redirected right now so it's like you're not supposed to know um but be present for the discovery right and I think in that shroudedness that we may be coming out of I think this also emphasizes what we were talking about earlier about the necessity of sharing and of cluing other people in of allowing other folks to be a participant in our own projects and our own journeys um yeah that's that's why i see playing out with that particular aspect mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that connection with Pluto by proxy because of Neptune's sextile to it. Um, Pluto was surprisingly what sort of instigated this whole conversation today. And I, uh, you know, Shay reached out and was like, hey, you know, cardinal, <laughs> cardinal angles in all of your chart and cardinal sun and cardinal. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> do, do you want to do you want to talk about Pluto moving back into Capricorn? And I was like, sure, for Shay, I will do anything. I will make time because I don't want to do homework. Um, <laughs> wah, wah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, and I thought how interesting, like, what if we recorded this just to see what um, what comes up as we talk about this? Because uh, I Shay felt it. I felt it. Uh, maybe you felt it, Pluto moving back into Capric Capricorn and kind of like fucking shit up, like finishing up the cycle. So I think Jonah and I spoke to, to some of this um, in a previous episode, but you know, we have a 2008 to 2023 um, parentheses of this era. And it is indeed an era of Pluto working its way through the dark underbelly of government systems banks, um, anything to do with structures, because that's what Capricorn is all about, is like, know the system so you can break the system. It is a punk rock sign. I digress. 
Anyhow, so Pluto moved back into the final degrees of Capricorn. It's going to be finishing out that rinse cycle. This is sort of like, oh, no, we're not quite done. Like, you know, when your washing machine yep. is like, you think <laughs> that the spin cycle is over and it's like, no, no, we got to squish out a little more of that <laughs> liquid. That's definitely what this is. I feel like I'm, I'm being wrung out a little bit whenever uh, a planet retrogrades back into the sign that it was previously in and especially if it was in that sign for a long time I feel like that's always the universe saying okay pop quiz what did we learn uh time to reapply the notes I hope you kept them (laughs) that's my favorite thing you've said so far and you've said many things that made me happy um (laughs) yeah okay so one of the like more obvious things uh Trump got arrested this last week and (laughs) We got orcas attacking yachts. (laughs) That might be the Mm -hmm. Pisces situation. I'm just, just saying. That could be, that could be. Okay, Shane, really, really quick side right here. Um, Why am I seeing all of these accounts like in, in our field, in astrology, in the metaphysical and the magical, like, everyone's talking about the orcas and like underwater extraterrestrials have you seen this phenomenon online i've definitely seen it a little bit more um i well recently i guess in the last six months i've seen the resurgence of um mermaids and sirens and stuff like that and i mean i've always been into that um I I wanted to be a mermaid still do honestly so if anyone's accepting applications let me know um but yeah I think like that's definitely maybe a piece of Saturn being in Pisces is this fascination with the depths and I mean even with Neptune being in Pisces for however long it's fucking been there I'm ready I'm ready for for its exit this particular domicile transit has um has produced some expected effects um but it's uh i'm ready i'm ready to move on now (laughs) okay i I was just gonna say that like myth i think is an important piece of of neptune you know fantasy is neptune and then myth is as well um and just things that happen in the dark that happen in the ether that happen at the bottom of the sea that is complete darkness um but yeah I think the confrontation of the darkness is not only attributed to um the very long transit that we had of Pluto and Capricorn but I feel like that can be demonstrated by any of these Piscean transits as well Mm-hmm. ah the mermaids yeah I, I appreciate that you brought that up um, yes so so what was the question that you had about Pluto specifically like what did, what are you kind of uh rinsing out <laughs> yeah I guess on a more personal level to me the structure of Capricorn can be translated to our own personal expectations of what is going to happen um and Pluto does nothing better than 
destroy those expectations <laughs> um, and blow them out of the water. So the ways in which Pluto may be testing us collectively, is it to ensure that some of the new paradigms and the new systems and routines that we have created for ourselves are we in a testing ground to see if these can withstand pressure and withstand disruption um that's one way i'm interpreting this retrograde of pluto back into capricorn um but yeah what do you see this Plutonian force unearthing? Well, um, let's go personal and then communal and then universal, shall we? Okay. Mm -hmm. So on a personal level, Pluto is where we experience our deepest soul transformation. So Pluto within our chart can offer insight into the work that we're avoiding. And, you know, by transit, you know, what house is this activating for you? Right. And I do not do whole sign houses. I'm not sure what system Shay uses, but I'm a Placidus bitch. What about you? I am a whole science bitch. And that's fine. Yeah. Like there, like you can work with whatever system feels right for you. And this is the same thing as like, if we converted our charts into a Vedic astrology, you can still get the same quality of information from a different angle, but it's going to be true, whatever way that you look at it. Every single perspective will lead you to the same conclusion. It just might take a different path to get there. And all paths lead that's, that, Yes, that's what I love about astrology specifically. Yep. Um, I guess it's my like messy bitch kind of personality to love Placidus where like nothing really fits in together and it's just focusing <laughs> on degrees. But so depending on whatever system that you use, like where Pluto has been activating your chart, you know, doing that consideration, the pop quiz 2008 to 2023, what have you learned? Maybe you are, have only been alive for that long, right? Like maybe that's the only time period that you're aware of. And so there's not going to be the perspective that somebody who's like 40, 60, 80 years old is going to see, but you still get to gain perspective from a cycle of that experience. Even if your whole life has been with under the guise of Pluto and Capricorn. So we can consider things like, you know, I, I look back and I think about, um, you know, there was a massive flood in Iowa when Pluto went into Capricorn. Um, gold prices like dropped and then raised again, right? So gold, things that are underneath the earth, like Pluto, Capricorn, money systems, it, it, like exchange, et cetera. We had banks failing in 2008. So in in my mind on a, on a universal or more collective level for our culture is like our systems that we trusted in that somebody else built is just people trying to like Lego their way through life, right? Like we're just building systems upon systems. There is no continuity in human experience because we all die, right? Like generations kind of shift into generations, but we're also seeing now um, that the old Capricorn um, 
that we don't really trust our elders the way that we did in, in the past. And I think, um, you know, because of the Pluto return of the United States, right, that Pluto, you know, this is a Pluto Capricorn country with a cancer sun, uh, that we've, we've had to do a lot of considerations for us specifically. So I can only speak from my, um, my perspective as being American, <laughs> love it, hate it, all of the things that I feel around, uh, being born here, uh, that we have a lot of power, sex, money, time issues that we're working with as a culture. And those systems that we we count on can fail, can devolve, can collapse. And so this is a rebirth opportunity, I think, for all the structures within. And is capitalism Capricorn? Maybe. You know, I don't I don't think that I have a right to say what is what, right? But it certainly fits within that guise of structures and building and seeking success and how does the world see me? All of those things are very capitalistic in nature and can be um, equated with Capricorn's more mundane qualities. But are we teaching? Are we allowing people to fuck up and not judge them horrendously? I'm a social Mm -hmm. worker. I think that our system is jack shit when it comes to allowing for equity because it's, it's all about bootstraps, equality, you know, the, the deserving poor, all of this garbage and judgment, which is incredibly ableist, it's racist, it's capitalist, it's narcissistic. There are so many things around how our system is built. So I would love to see it dissolve from within for more of us young people to get involved with politics that are interested in changing But politics. Also, we're like, like over it. We don't want to deal with it anymore. So I think there's a big call to arms about anarchy, which is also Capricornian. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that on an, on uh, on a to bring it back to the personal, it's like where is anarchy occurring in your life where you're breaking down systems and beliefs that have prevented you from being who the fuck you are? And some of us, it's taking longer than others. I think that Gen Z is really bringing a lot of like fuck this kind of mentality, which I thought that like. I thought that my millennials would do that, but we were in crisis the entire time, just as any other generation. So we're moving from this like, oh no, nuclear apocalypse to climate apocalypse. And the the biggest, scariest thing that I'm seeing in my young clients is the lack of hope and the lack of ability to dream for a different future and for a different life ahead of us. And that is what really gives me fear, Pluto. So, and also Mm. Saturn. Yeah, Saturn has some fear qualities to it too. Um, do you have any follow-up clarifications <laughs> that you might need? I, I think I just went on a another rant. Yeah. No, I I agree with with the thoughts that you shared. I think that um there's since Pluto has been in Capricorn from 2008 to present we have seen a divestment from hustle and grind culture divestment from uh perfectionism which perfectionism feels capricornian to me um but specifically with pluto spinning back into capricorn now and having that pluto and capricorn answer to 
Saturn in Pisces, it kind of does touch on that that piece about hope that you mentioned. It is a test of faith, I think. Um, and the faith and the belief that we have in things and their capacity to last, to withstand the test of time, um, because I don't think we have the same relationship to that uh, in the society that we once did. We're, we're used to things not lasting and it's become an expectation. Impermanence has become the norm. Everything is so short-lived. Um, and kind of to add another piece into this, um, Pisces, this Pisces Saturn is answering to Jupiter in Taurus, arguably one of the slowest moving signs. Um, so I think the sextiles between uh, Jupiter and Saturn right now, um, it's it's very supportive. And I think that may be where some of the, the hope and the optimism sets in is that supportive angle between those two particular planets. It's like, there's a reason why things may be slowing down on a personal level and a collective level. Delayed gratification may be good right now because there are lessons to be learned from the obstacles that we are encountering. There's a lesson to be learned from the fact that a lot of people feel the need to take a break, uh, feel the need to rest, feel the need to just walk away from something. Um, I think it's important that we lean into the mutability of the sky right now because mutables adapt and can be very malleable and take many shapes. Um, so I think there's a rigidity in expectations that can kind of come with Saturn and with Capricorn energy in general. Um, and having that Saturn and Pisces stationing retrograde on, on the day of the new moon is like, throw away your expectations like why are they there who put them there who taught you to expect these things are the things that you're expecting even the things that you really want um and I think with Taurus Saturn being there maybe if you do have faith in something it's good to stand your ground but if you're belief in some of the systems and paradigms that have been in your life for a long time if that belief is starting to wane then it's time to go with the flow and maybe float another direction well said yeah I think I think what you said about expectations specifically really resonates for me and how we get really frustrated with reality when it doesn't meet our expectations. And there's some ancestral yes. evolutionary pieces to that as well, because, you know, for the longest time, humans lived in the dark, right? We didn't have electricity until like, what, like just over a century ago, like 120, 130 years. So yeah. 
life was very scary and you couldn't anticipate a lot. And I'm sure like the kinds of anxiety that we experience now from having too much information that our ancestors experienced the opposing expression of that, which is anxiety about not having enough information. Right. Yeah. And I, I like that, what you said about Jupiter and Taurus and slowing down and, and that sort of like, we don't know what's going to happen. Right. So how do we open our palms? How do we let our hands have eyes, as you said, and just allow them to be open and in that surrender posture when we are kind of hardwired through the experiences of, of those who came before us to, to try to like create systems so that we can expect something, you know, I think that's where culture might've developed from. Cause if I said, Oh, hello, Shay. And you're like mustard, you know, I'd be like, what? Right. right? Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know where that came from. That was not a good example, but the, the idea is that like having an expected response right? We all say like, oh, I'm fine. How are you? Whereas when people ask me how I'm doing, I like literally pause and check in with myself like an alien, like I am, right? I'm like, uh, well, all these things are happening. And they're like, wait a second. I just wanted to like do the thing where I just like say hello and you say you're fine. And then we move on. Right. And right. So when you throw somebody a curveball, that, that encourages them as well to act spontaneously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Spontaneity, I think, is another tool in the toolbox of of Gemini. Um, and again, that kind of crisis of not knowing something in the age of immediate access to information, that does kind of trigger that crisis of, of faith. Um, faith in ourselves, faith in the structures and um, the expectations that we have built up, I think it kind of, it's a time to question why we maintain certain ideals and fantasies about our life and what pretend safety we find in relying on that versus grounded, cultivated safety that I think we're being pushed to nurture with Jupiter being in Taurus. Um, I see that being uh, a major piece of that particular transit as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If Saturn is like uh, scarcity and Jupiter is abundance, that can be like weird. Like that can be like a weird eating yeah. thing this week. <laughs> that could be like I don't, I mean, the, to me, I don't know. There's this, there's a sense of like expand, contract, expand, contract. So maybe I'll just need to like go for a walk or something. <laughs> yes. Uh, oh my gosh. I just love, I just love this conversation. I just want to say like the, I mean, the contradictions in the energy of this chart, like, you know, pull, pull up the chart online. If you are an astrologer and you kind of get it, like, believe me, Shay and I both looked at a chart at one point and we're like, oh, what the fuck? Right. Like, yeah. like I, I mean, it took me years to kind of build up like a tolerance, I think, to looking at a chart because it looks like a spirograph. And 
the, the the graph does not fucking matter. Like we could just be looking at angles and numbers together, but the graph helps us to give us like a visual representation, but it's, it is glamour. It is just another illusion that we're trying to interpret like scrying or divination. It's just, it's just trying to make sense yes. of the unknown. Um, but I mean, to have all of these contradictions, like, oh, the, the Gemini energy and, oh, like express yourself, but oh, also be internal because Neptune. And also we have, so <laughs> depending on who you are and what pieces of this is activating you, and if you're responding to it, you might feel a little all over the fucking place, or you might have this like very centered concentration of like, I'm just going to stay in or, oh my gosh, I have to go party. Do you like, we're not here to prescribe like how to deal with the new moon transits. I think that this is just a meditation and a reflection on current themes and underbellies of like the undercurrent of our lives, Saturn and Pisces, like that under, under, under the surface pieces. Um, yeah, but I think to come back to new moon quality, like to, to bring it back to the simplicity of the new moon, do you need to go within a little bit? Or does going within mean reflecting yourself out into your neighbors and your community to kind of do some processing together? Yeah, I like that. Um, I think with this particular new moon in Gemini, the importance of asking the right question is emphasized. Gemini loves questions. Gemini is the child that is always asking why. Um, and sometimes we experience that tension with like we said, not knowing with, with Neptune being in play with this new moon, it's not necessarily that the answer is completely eluding you, but maybe you need to change the question that you were asking and to not be so picky about where you seek that answer from, where you are seeking truth from. Because Gemini doesn't discriminate. Gemini talks to everyone so be in conversation with everything around you whether that is with your words whether it's with your hands with your eyes with your ears whatever it may be um but be be open and half of any conversation is listening so talk and listen take it all in Shay Malloy, thank you for joining me today for this very random and spontaneous meditation on the new moon. Very unexpected. As I said, I should be doing homework right now, but I am so elated to be talking to you for a bit. Yeah. It um, was my pleasure. Yeah. So I'll post some of Shay's information. Um, again, they're available for tarot consult. They're available for astrology consult. Uh, Shay, you, you do really well with relationship astrology as well, if I recall. Um, what do you feel like your specialties are? What do you really like? Who are you looking for as a client? Who are your people? Who I am looking for right now, um, of course, members of my LGBT family. Um, mm -hmm. I always love seeing you. Um, in particular, right now, something that I am specializing in is um, examining the power and the pull of the moon 
in the chart. So if you're someone who's curious about the force of Luna in your life, um, I have a special service dedicated to um, unpacking the presence of the moon in your life. Uh, and that particular service is called the Tide. And if you use the coupon code Luna, L-U-N-A, you can get 30% off on that. Um, but all the sessions that I've had um, for the Tide have honestly been amazing, have started some really great conversations. Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed spending time with my clients in that session. So if you're someone who is very lunar, very Cancerian, or you want to know about what the moon is doing in your chart, I am the moon's bitch. So I'm definitely the astrologer for you. I love it. Shay, I might have to hit you up for that one just because my Cancer Midheaven and my Pisces moon that allows for the leak point of all of my tension and energy glued to a television. I'm thinking about getting a television tattooed on me just because it's such an important part of my life. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love that. It Have it, what image do you want on the TV screen? Static? Do you want just static, static on it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> static on there. yeah. I perfect. feel like there a couple years ago when I was first doing like my, it was, I think it was during Panini times, but I was writing about, uh, about Gemini and I had been watching all these Nickelodeon reruns, all of these mm -hmm. old cartoons that I could find on YouTube from the good old, like before the orange days, like it, and it was, uh, there's also a, um, a documentary on Hulu about Nickelodeon, the orange years that I recommend to any of the kids that were glued to their televisions as their babysitter during the nineties. But, uh, Gemini is the child. So lest we not forget to take care of our inner child, because our child inside knows what we need. It knows the medicine that we need. It knows how to feel delight and joy and curiosity and openness about the world. So if you are feeling curmudgeon jaded, old, whatever Saturn Capricorn situation is happening in your life, like just remember that you can go back to those, those things that bring you joy and bring you back to that child self. Um, I think about rewatching um, OG Little Mermaid because uh, I was in kindergarten when that came out and like you could hear me humming her song on the school bus all the time. Uh, but I, like, I hadn't seen it since I was a kid and I saw flounder and I felt so much about flounder that I, like, <laughs> I, just, I had such like a soft spot in my being for flounder. And I feel like maybe <laughs> dragon is my like iteration of flounder now. Like, yes. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. I love that. The, the Pisces moon kinship with flounder. <laughs> All right. Well, I could talk to you forever, but I'm going to let you go. And uh, maybe I'll, I'll catch you on the flip side. Have you back again? Cause I really enjoyed uh, having you to talk about the moon. I love this. Have me back anytime. Thank you again. Thank you for tuning in to the Inspired Astrology Podcast. This is Lauren of Ursaday Healing Arts. You can find me on Instagram at Ursaday underscore underscore underscore. 
uh, or on my website, www.ursaday.us. You can find that in the episode notes. I put out the moon moon mailer (laughs) twice a month and you can sign up for that on my website. Uh, If you want a newsletter, direct your inbox so that you're not searching Instagram for the information. Or of course, stay tuned in here to the Inspired Astrology podcast where you can get your audio version of insights, information, and interviews with other astrologers and other people of interest uh, to me that I think need to be heard and shared with the world. So thanks for listening. Uh, You can find this bi-weekly. If you like and subscribe wherever you find your podcast, uh, you should be able to get a notification uh, whenever a new episode is put out, which is usually randomly, chaotically about 24 hours before a new moon or full moon lunation. Uh, Yeah, that's what you're going to get from a neuroqueer astrologer. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you for being a part of this experience. If you feel like tipping me, I really certainly appreciate it. I'm a graduate student studying to get my license in clinical social work so that I can do therapy and more therapeutic work with the Reiki and astrology that I already provide. I am a Reiki mentor, a Reiki practitioner of over 20 years. I teach Reiki um, depending on where I am at that time, but I'm in Milwaukee currently. I'm always happy to travel to teach if there is a collaboration and joining people together to to make that work. So thank you. If you are interested, just go ahead and uh, reach out to me through ursaday.us, DM me on Instagram. Pretty easy to find over here. So uh, what else? I do astrology readings. I have an offering called The Mirror, which is just a reflection of my uh, Libra rising and the desire to reflect back with you what maybe you need to hear at a certain moment. It is a therapeutic model of uh, astrology using sort of a psychological standpoint, storytelling, reflection, and of course, soul listening and trying to hear what you need to say. And that is something that is very adaptable. I do, you know, monthly readings, you know, bi-weekly readings. It just really depends on what people are needing at that time. And what comes with uh, my membership, which is called the Lunation, is a 20% discount for a 90-minute session with me. And that's done over Zoom or if in person, that's just something that we arrange together if you're in the area or if I can get travel to you uh, with the additional travel fees, of course. And that's just an opportunity to do Reiki and receive that via absentia, to do astrology and do the mirroring process with that. Of course, uh, mentorship is a big piece of what I offer. And that means bringing all the tools that I have acquired over the last 20 years to every session. I have a program called the four pillars and it is my mentorship program of uh, one-to-one guidance and teachings based on the material that I've been integrating out throughout the years so basically you'll be learning what I use in my sessions and how I support other people that ranges from basic shamatha meditation to the four perceptions which is a, um, a Jungian archetype and using a different component We have our astrology makeup, we have our seven ray makeup, we have our Enneagram or the, um, yeah, we have all kinds of makeups, but the four perceptions are really simple way to help you to communicate better and to understand how other people are communicating with you. Then we have the violet flame of transmutation. We have uh, Buddhist principles and bringing the rights, the systems of right relationship, right speech, right action. 
Uh, there is so much to this program. It's very enriching and it's just a commitment from your part and my part to do this work together. So uh, would love to be in touch with you about that. If you are interested, just find me where you find me. And until next time, thank you for being you because you're the only you that exists and will ever exist. So I'm so glad that you're here. Stay inspired.